Chapter Five of Natalie Page. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Natalie Page by Catherine Haviland Taylor. Chapter Five. New York and my new home i had a very happy time with the cranes and although mary eleanor's story upset me a little in spite of my then not believing it i was cheered by the time i left and entirely myself mrs crane told me to go play ball with william after breakfast she said i was foolish to drop it entirely and that she knew mrs bradley would want me to play if she realized what good exercise it was and dr crane said he would write her so i played and after william let go of two hot ones and said ouch before he could suppress it i felt better dr crane rooted for me and it was all very happy and i did so want to stay he and mary eleanor sat on grapefruit crates and yelled mrs crane came to the door now and again lucky the awfully black little nigger climbed up on the laundry roof and every once in a while old aunt eliza would look out the window and laugh so that she shook all over don't that beat all she'd say and mr william droppin them balls and then she'd laugh again and william did too although he couldn't have enjoyed having me come out on top but they are all that way they really don't mind discomfort if other people are happy they are so kind we scored by making each other drop and miss balls but of course the aim had to be square the method was the thing and just as dr crane was yelling good grounder nat now sock him with a warm baby mrs crane opened the door and said ted you've got to start it's almost half past and i had to put on my hat i hated to i just wish i could have stayed there and had my education applied they all went to the station with me except mrs crane and mary eleanor bought me a little box of mints and william gave me a glass baseball bat filled with tiny candies for a joke then dr crane bought me several magazines some of which were full of baseball stories talked to the porter about me dr crane somehow got through the gates and i was off and all the way to new york i was cheered by the way the cranes had said good-bye to me mrs crane was lovely and with mary eleanor made me promise to come again and dr crane wrote down just what i was to do if i wasn't met beside being awfully good to me and william said i could play ball i thought about them a lot about my new bracelet and about new york i had dinner on the train which in the north they call lunch and got on very well it wasn't difficult because you wrote down what you wanted and i knew exactly what that was i ordered lobster which i had never tasted ice cream cake a cream puff and chocolate with whipped cream on top of it a gentleman who sat opposite me gasped and said oh my then he asked me if i was tired of life he seemed impressed with my order but i don't know why he got zwieback he told me what it was and soft-boiled eggs and milk and after he finished lunch he offered me some pepsin tablets he took several but i refused and he said perhaps i was wise for he said he didn't know what one little tablet could do against that line-up then he asked me if there were any ostriches among my ancestors he was selling automobile tires and called the waiter george and seemed to know him very well and he told me all about his indigestion as his eyes roved over my order as for eating a mess like that 
he said and then ended with oh my but i cannot quote him entirely for it was terrible it is that word which goes in church but which becomes swearing when a man says it in talking to the umpire i suppose this man was in pain after that we talked of baseball and he knew hans wagner and had known him since the beginning of his career when he played in the oil league in western pennsylvania of course i was interested i lingered over my cream puff ice cream and cake and he lingered over his milk he said he'd look me up in new york and i was awfully grateful and i said i was sure my aunt would love to have him come to supper to which he replied me for it kid which sounded a little queer to me even then i did not know at that time that you are not supposed to talk to people to whom you have not been presented or who have not been presented to you i learned that later but that belongs in another part of this story we reached new york when it was just growing dark and never in all my life will i forget the look of it the dazzling lit christmas trees look of the tall bright buildings and the hurrying bright-faced crowds everyone seemed in a hurry and some people actually ran and especially as they crossed fifth avenue where we drove for some distance my uncle's chauffeur met me and he did not seem very sociable i had not learned that you mustn't talk to them at that time and after i asked him how he was and whether my aunt and uncle were well and whether they had had summer colds or hay fever which is the way we start acquaintance in queensburg i stopped talking and looked and i never saw so much to see before it is wonderful it took all my dreams of fairyland and made them look like a miffed ball i looked up and began to see why the picture of the reuben type with their mouths ajar it is natural to let your chin droop from surprise are we almost there i asked after we'd gone about a million blocks jackson replied not yet miss and stared straight ahead and i said well isn't this a long way and he said yes miss after that i did some more looking the dusk had fallen and it made a lovely haze around the tops of the buildings and looking down the side streets one could see only millions of motor headlights and nothing but those and the women were so beautifully dressed some of them in the passing motors leaned way back and looked tired but beautifully so not as the women do around queensburg when they are tired they wear calico wrappers and their backs get stooped and usually there is a baby clinging to their skirts but here it is different i can't say why the women's eyes are narrowed as if they wanted to look tired and they are so pretty jackson i said i never saw such beautiful complexions no i said mr jackson then and he said yes miss well after a great way of this we reached a quieter section and here in front of a very tall brown stone building jackson alighted and i followed a girl whom i knew to be evelyn came out of a doorway and said why what made you ride up with jackson and then she turned her cheek for my kiss and i can't yet understand what there was about that which made me feel so hollow and cold inside then she said come in and we'll go up i don't think mother's in but she will be soon i hope your trip was pleasant i replied that it was but i don't think she heard what i said for we had stepped in an elevator and she was busy smiling at a man who leaned on a heavy cane charming day mr kempwood she said you've been motoring he said he had i have two a bit said evelyn but i was kept in most of this afternoon by a wild bout of auction and i took the prize she showed it to him it was a beautiful thing a little enameled box on a gold chain and in it was a powder puff pink powder and a place for coins even i was impressed with it and at that time i knew little beside what the proper balance of a bat should be i began to feel worse and to swallow hard the man looked at me in a quizzical way his eyes narrowed and little wrinkles showing at the corners of them then he said good-night and got off 
mr samuel kempwood said evelyn as we went on she said this in a low tone so that the elevator man shouldn't hear has the apartment on the third floor wonderful collection of ivories and is the most thrillingly romantic person ah here we are and then we stepped out well i don't know what i had expected but i know i had not expected a flat i mean apartment like this it is wonderful in the first place it takes up the whole floor of that great big building and doesn't seem at all crowded i had expected folding beds and having to put your hat on the piano and eat off a card table but it isn't that way when we got off we stepped into a little outer hall and evelyn rang then a maid opened the door and we went in without speaking to her after she took evelyn's furs evelyn said is my mother in jane and the maid answered with not yet miss evelyn after that evelyn said you had your dinner on the train and i said i had she didn't say anything about supper and of course i didn't understand at that time but i began to feel frightfully hollow under my belt i stood this a little while and at last i said could i have a cup of tea i don't like to make any trouble but tea she echoed and raised her eyebrows as if she were ever so surprised and then added of course and she rang a bell i didn't get any supper i explained because i thought you'd be waiting it here for me i thought you meant you'd had your evening meal she said quickly it is called dinner here you will avoid confusion if you remember that jane please see that some dinner is put on for miss natalie she is not dying jane bowed and left and i began to feel even more hollow and this time it was my heart that felt that way too evelyn moved around humming she had been reading a great deal of mail and casually commenting on it as she read like this tuesday um i don't know and does mrs stanwood think i would accept her invitation and then she would hum something else she shakes her voice a great deal when she sings she forgot me even more than she had and i did feel so alone when jane at last came back evelyn looked up and spoke really she said you must excuse me i didn't mean to neglect you but i had to get through my mail you know how it is of course do you want to brush up before you eat frightful of me to forget to ask you i said all i wanted was to eat and then jane said this way please and i followed sort of tiptoeing because everything seemed so very grand and it all made me seem even shabbier than i was the dining-room is all panelled in some sort of dark wood and has beautifully upholstered dark furniture in it silver gleamed from a long sideboard which hasn't one mirror in it they all have mirrors on them in queensburg and a jap served things i liked him he smiled at me there were roses and lilies of the valley and a great silver bowl which stood in the centre of the table and i liked those better than anything and when i looked at them my eyes filled and i guess the jap man saw it for he took out a rose and several sprays of lilies of the valley and laid them by my place and said like flowers always pretty and i said can i really have them and he smiled at me again and then he got food and gave me the right fork after i had used up the wrong one on the wrong thing to eat it with which is mixed but as i said jim work is where i do well after i had got through and the jap had given me a bowl of water with a flower floating in it it confused me then and was asking me whether i wanted coffee here or in the drawing-room amy my cousin who is nearest my age came in my dear she said i simply hated not being here to receive you but it was my dancing class afternoon and afterward i went to dinner with a friend i couldn't in decency refuse her i hope your trip was pleasant do let us go in where we can talk comfortably ito coffee in the drawing-room please mother isn't in is she poor mother so rushed but every one is we love having you natalie and then she slid her arm through mine and squeezed my hand and i loved her from that minute on for although we are very different and she sometimes seems affected to me she is kind 
and you can overlook anything if people are that evelyn is not when you humiliate her she hurts you to pay it back i know that after the first half hour of evelyn i learned my first big lesson from new york and that wasn't calling dinner supper it was that kindness and making other people feel happy is the most important thing in life and the thing that counts most truly and deeply i try hard not to err in this now for i know how it feels to have people do it when we reached the drawing-room we found evelyn had left she is twenty-one and out and she goes to parties a great deal amy sat talking about her and her beau she didn't call them that and her engagements and i sat trying to look as if i cared a great deal about what amy said but thinking of uncle frank bradley dear and of willie jepson that night i was quite sure that willie jepson would have a wife before he was eighteen but he didn't however that comes later at about ten amy asked whether i'd like to go to bed and i admitted that i was tired and so she showed me to the most beautiful little room near hers with a bathroom which she and evelyn and i were to use absurd little room we had to give you dear she said but i suppose you can make out if you need anything the button is by the door and the electrics turn on here anything i can get you i thanked her and said no and then she wished me happy dreams and left alone i looked around it was the most beautiful bedroom i had ever seen but that did not help me there was a dressing-table with three mirrors to it and long mirrors in all the doors there was a table by the bed with a telephone on it under a little lady's fluffy skirts and there was a light on this table too with a pink shade from which roses artistically drooped there were books by this and a flashlight i never dreamed then that i would use that flashlight as i did later the walls were of brocade in a rose shade and the furniture was grey with baskets of roses painted on it and there was a sort of a lounge on which you could sit up but lie down if you understand and deep cretonne covered chairs when you opened the cupboard door the cupboard lit up and there were hangers inside and it was scented i went around touching things very timidly and looking and as i said before it was the most beautiful bedroom i ever saw and at that time frankly awed me but it showed how little things count for i wanted my own bare-floored little bedroom with no decoration except two fish-nets and a mounted eagle and which held nothing but a straight-backed chair bed and a bureau with a wavery mirror i wanted it terribly i wanted to hear uncle frank ho-hum and to have mrs bradley scold me when all the time she was loving me inside i wanted to hear billy jepson whistle and yell come on nat let's go fishing i wanted home but i swallowed hard and began to unpack when i found the china cat i held him awfully close between my hands and then when i found the bug that stays in the ground three years i stood up i've got to i said unsteadily for uncle frank and my mother i've got to and i will and then i set those things on the bureau and began to undress i looked at them a lot as i did and after i was ready for bed i said my prayers awfully hard the way you do when things go wrong and it is nice to remember that there is someone who will do his best to write vows if you need it and then i turned off the lights and got in bed i couldn't sleep so after quite a while i got up and fumbled around to find that jumel bracelet bradley dear's cat and the bug and i put them all on the table by my bed and then after i'd touched them now and again i slipped into dreams and i dreamed that uncle frank said ho hum ho hum she's a pretty nice little bug End of chapter five